0: This is The Blogist Podcast, a new type of podcast here to connect brands and influencers in a way that has never existed. This is the podcast where brands and influencers can come together to synergize worthy opportunities to reach new audiences and new heights. We'll interview both influencers and brands to talk about quitting the nine-to-five, building up your base one connection at a time, and what brands should know about your audience in order to leverage theirs. Brands meet influencers. Influencers meet brands. This is The Blogist Podcast. Hello, everyone, and happy Tuesday. We are so excited that you're joining us today. Before we begin today's episode, I wanted to share this week's reviewer of the week, Maris 7147. She says, The Blogist podcast is a space that's been missing for brands and influencers to connect. I'm so excited to hear more from Blogist. They're truly creating that space for synergy between brands and influencers that they will both benefit from. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Maris. We're so excited for all of the incredible commentary that is going to unfold throughout the next few months on our podcast. So thank you so much for listening. Now, once you're done with the episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment below. Let us know what your favorite part of the episode is. We'll share it in next week's conversation. And next, I'm so beyond thrilled to introduce you to the guest on today's episode. A true industry expert, Runa Azam of Glam by Runa has built an audience of over 120,000 community members across her social media channels. By sharing her expert beauty tips, style advice, and open and honest commentary around self-love and body positivity, Runa has grown tremendously over the past two years, and I can't wait for all of you to listen to her incredibly inspiring story. We'll talk about things like how to create quality content, how Runa thinks the influencer marketing industry has changed the beauty space, and why it's so important for you to develop long-term authentic partnerships with brands. We'll end the episode by talking about some of Runa's best practices when it comes to growing your online following and talk about why being your true authentic self is the most important thing you can do. You won't want to miss this. Let's go to the episode. Hi, Runa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you. So glad to be here. So excited. Yay. So I'd love if you could tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So my name is Runa, obviously. Obviously. And I run the brand Glam by Runa over on Instagram, YouTube. I have a Twitter account, but it's not always the greatest place to find me at. I focus on beauty and fashion with a very unique voice towards self-love and body positivity. So I basically do a lot of beauty tutorials, and fashion posts.
0: Your level of consistency within your content is so amazing. And for (laughs) everyone who hasn't followed Runa yet, as she said, her handles are glam by Runa everywhere. So you definitely will need to check her out. And throughout the episode, We'll talk a little bit more about her content and we'll link her channels in the show notes of the podcast so you can all check out Runa and definitely follow her. She's one of my favorite people to follow across all channels and it's not just because we've known each other a very long time, but it is because I genuinely think you are one of the most authentic people out there today and I think that's what the internet needs, especially in today's day and age. Thank you. That's so sweet. And I know something that I don't know much about and obviously a lot of our listeners don't know much about either is... I'd love to kind of take a step back and talk about the evolution of Glam by Runa, your YouTube channel and your Instagram account, and really talk about the beginning phases of your relationship with social media and specifically how you feel like it's impacted your career for the good and the bad.
1: It's such a funny story. I actually like hated social media when it first became a thing. Like I just had this like idea, like the only reason you would go on the internet to look at anybody was for a celebrity or a model. I really thought like, I had to like, lose weight to like, be on social media or be on Facebook or be on anything. Like I had to be this perfect person. And that was like really how I looked at social media when it first became like a thing. And people were telling me like, oh, you know, there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's MySpace, there's all these things. And I just thought it was a waste. And then I you know, would explore the internet and I found a lot of blogs and I saw that they were also using social media as a way to share their platforms. And that's how I got into, you know, checking out Instagram and YouTube. YouTube was like the first place where I learned that, hey, you know, like this is kind of cool. Everyone's sharing their beauty secrets. They're sharing their fashion secrets. And those are the things that I was like really into. And that's when I started to get inspired to kind of start doing my own thing. And I saw like I could just be a normal girl in front of my laptop doing some pretty cool stuff. So that's where my first idea for like social media or starting my career came from like YouTube that's so cool how long ago was that i think it was four or five years ago now wow what a what a journey it's been yes it's been an amazing journey and very unexpected
0: and i know for many people that we talk to there was this one person that they found on the internet that inspired them to create a channel was there one person on the internet that really inspired you
1: to create a youtube channel there's a youtuber named dulce candy since she did a lot of like fashion videos and she did beauty tutorials So I just loved how like authentic she was and how real she was. She would share all sorts of things. And I think she was like the only brown girl I saw on the internet at that time. And I'm brown and she's brown and she had dark hair. I had dark hair. So it just like that relatability just was so cool, you know, and she's Hispanic, but I'm not Hispanic, but it was just other than, you know, seeing the traditional beauty was like very inspiring. And then she made me want to do the same thing. So. To everyone listening, we'll definitely link her in the show notes too, but I, I love what you just said about
0: fa- seeing someone who isn't necessarily represented amongst the online in the online world, and you sort of feeling like you have this responsibility to show up and uh, represent women who have a skin tone like yours. Yes. I obviously, I think the name Glam by Runa really feels so true to your brand, especially as you go look up Runa's Instagram content. Her videos are phenomenal and her makeup is truly glam in the best way possible. So how did that name come to fruition?
1: I've always like considered myself to be glamorous. That's how people would always describe me as. And I think it just had to do with the fact that I have long hair and I would always curl my hair and that just basically connected to glamorous. Like it, back in the days, like curling your hair is like normal now. But I feel like when I was growing up, curling your hair felt felt like you were going to like a special occasion, but I always had to curl my hair because I had long hair and people were like, oh my gosh, you're so glamorous every time I saw my hair curled. So that kind of just clicked with me and I put glam and then Byruna was, I always knew I had a very unique vibe on glamorous looks. So I did, I put things together differently. So that's why I put Byruna.
0: That's so funny. I didn't realize that the glam came from your hair and not your makeup.
1: I actually didn't wear makeup until I was much older because my parents, they just didn't allow it. So the only way I was ever able to look a little dressed up is by curling my hair because that's all my parents would allow me to do. Wow. So that's where the glam came from. I didn't want to do beauty by Runa or I didn't want to do fashion by Runa because I loved both equally. So I felt glam was basically the whole process of getting ready. So that's why I put glam by Runa.
0: How did you learn to create such evolved makeup looks? Was it just through trial and error?
1: Definitely through trial and error. Obsession. I I love to learn about makeup. It's something I really love learning about. So it's a lot of it's self-taught. So I would literally watch free YouTube videos. I would pay for YouTube videos. If a makeup artist was like really good at something and I loved what they did and they had an online class or they had like masterclass, I would attend it. So I've really, really put a lot of time into learning makeup.
0: Do you feel like when you look back to your videos four years ago, there's really been an evolution in the way you've done makeup and hair?
1: Literally.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we'll definitely Literally. have to go back. To, I've never watched the first YouTube video that you've ever posted. I definitely what? need to so go back thirsty. and look
1: at that. <laughs> That's amazing.
0: <So> <laughs> no, we all have to start somewhere, though. And it's yeah. the the makeup looks that you create are unlike anything I've ever seen before. They're beautiful. And they're also done immaculately. And you talk about the process in such a very replicable way. Like I really feel like when I watch your videos, I'm able to actually create the look, which I do feel like is very unique in this space. So many makeup influencers create looks that are so beyond anything that I could ever create. So it's also really relatable, which I feel like is why your community has grown to what it is today.
1: Thank you. And then that is like one of my focus too. When I do do makeup, I have different moments like where I'm like, okay, you know what? I really want to do something very elaborate and difficult because it's fun to try hard things in my opinion. I can't do a cut crease, but I want to try to do it. And just trying to do it has always made me feel like just any other girl because I feel like we all look at those really beautiful makeup, you know, gurus that have like very perfect makeup and we all want to try it, you know? And I think that is what got me to always. Understand the process and explain the process to somebody because like other people I'm curious too So while I'm doing it I try to like memorize what I'm doing and then share that with people and then I also try to like figure out like well This is a little bit more simpler if I do it like this Or if I don't use this color then this look can be a little bit more easier to achieve And I'm also very always focused on wearable looks like you can wear a cut crease But you can make it more wearable and more something people are more comfortable wearing, you know? Wear a cut crease to the grocery store, or you can not wear a
0: cut crease to the grocery store.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So I I also do like a lot of fun looks, and I'll be like, yeah, I'm comfortable wearing something like this to the grocery store. You might not be, but I also have other looks that you could wear.
0: Comes to creating your content, what are the things that inspire you the most? How do you create the looks that are so innovative that you, I feel like, produce so regularly? There's never once been a time where I feel like you've produced a YouTube video or an Instagram video. And I feel like I already saw that months before.
1: I get like a lot of inspiration. You know, I have a mood board or I have like, you know, a virtual mood board on my phone, like where I'll look at a lot of makeup looks that have inspired me and then just one swipe through them. And then I kind of already know what I want to do. And then I just sit down to do it. Sometimes I won't even look and I'll just take a palette and I'll work away with the palette and just do combinations that I want and I think like the biggest tip I can give anybody when it comes to beauty is when you start off it doesn't look the best but like keep going with it and it just ends up coming together because sometimes you might do an eye look that you just think is hideous because I go through that I'm like oh my gosh this is so ugly and it for me it's especially hard because I feel like it's not a profession for me and I have to be perfect, like everybody. So I get really hard on myself, but then I catch myself and I say, you know what, you need to just chill and just go through the whole look and don't even criticize yourself until you put the lipstick on. Right. So I think that's like one of the tips I I like to give a lot of my community is just practice and keep going until the finished look. And then you'll see, you'll be surprised how actually good everything looks. That's all part of the creative process is, you know, you have
0: essentially as someone watching your YouTube video, my my makeup might not come out exactly like yours, but it's all part of the creative process as we celebrate beauty and makeup and things like that.
1: And I always just say like, you know, sometimes you can put on like the, you could have the most beautiful eyeshadow look and put on the worst lipstick and it's okay because like you can wipe it off. You have to progress with makeup. I feel like makeup is so progressive. Like you can have a really bad makeup look and the next time you can have like the best makeup look, you know, so that's the fun part with makeup. It's so, it just molds, you know, it it could be bad or good. You don't know. (laughs) And it's a way to celebrate yourself too. I love that it really is a way to celebrate yourself. And so talking about the community that's obviously
0: followed you since you've been doing this now for over five years, I'd love to understand. And I think for a lot of the people listening, many of them are entrepreneurs and people who are trying to think about how can I even start a YouTube channel? How can I even start an Instagram account? So What tools have been instrumental in shaping the community that you've built? And with that, who have been the people who have helped you along the way as you've shaped and built Glam by Runa?
1: So I would have to give 100% credit to my husband, though, because if if I don't give him credit, it just sounds bad. You have to. He really helps me a lot. Photography, videos, my nervous breakdowns. (laughs) He's always there for me because I'm such a perfectionist and he's able to really help me to understand that. You can start from nothing and build to everything, you know what I mean? To a lot, right? And I want it to be like perfect from the beginning. And I think I see that struggle with a lot of people who are starting out. You know, you come into the space and you see a lot of big bloggers who have like these like productions and it just looks like, it looks like almost impossible on how you're going to create it. And I think one advice I could give anyone who's starting out is like really just start off small. Just start off with like a regular camera or your point and shoot. And through that, you'll start learning how to work other things. Like when I started off, I wanted I started off with just a point and shoot. And then I moved into like DSLR cameras. But I wouldn't have understood the concept of a DSLR camera unless I started with something small. I think it's really valuable because so many
0: people think they need to go buy the latest and greatest camera and then the learning curve to get there is so vast and so much that they become overwhelmed and they don't actually learn how to do it because they don't think they can do it. So starting with something that's a little easier to understand and they can understand the basics will then enable them to get to a place that they can learn more about shooting with DSLRs, sh- filming videos with DSLRs, things
1: like that. Even with like the editing programs, A lot of the times I get a lot of questions about, oh, what do you edit? What do you use to edit? And I tell people, you know, there's free editing, video editing software is like on the internet. There's even apps now that are on your phone. And if you just take the time to learn the free stuff, it's very beneficial because those exact editing techniques are going to be the same techniques that you're going to use in something like more advanced, like vinyl, Final Cut Pro, or even Adobe Premiere. Those are the more advanced versions, but you got to learn the basics to get into the advanced stuff. So I think that's like my biggest takeaway from all the things that I've done in the last five years is starting small really did help me because it really helped me to learn a lot. And I know a big part of this
0: too, that you have to understand and get through that learning curve of cre- actually creating the content. And then the next step is actually creating content that feels unique on brand to you, and then trying to figure out how you can actually grow your online community. So what were the things that you learned along the way to create content that felt very true to your authentic brand? And then secondarily to that, what were the things that you feel like you did to see success in growth? You've built a community now of over, I believe 150,000 people, and that took some time, but there must've been some key things that you learned along the way to get you to that place so I'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts on that
1: so I think the number one thing that I've always been really good at is being authentic and being myself I'm very good at like self-awareness I know when I'm being influenced against myself so for instance like a makeup look I'll I'll do it because I want to do it and because I enjoy these looks on myself not necessarily always because it's trendy And I think authenticity is very important. Even with my fashion, I sometimes can get in a rut where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I putting the right outfit together? Is this gonna work? Is this what everyone's gonna like? And I think sometimes you gotta pull back and just tell yourself like, okay, as long as you're presenting authentically yourself and being real about who you really are, and you're not just like putting up a show for everybody, I think that really resonates with your community more than just showing them like, what is like the most popular item. I think that's so valuable
0: for any creator, no matter how large your audience is or no matter how small your audience is. These people have found you because they value you and making sure in any relationship, any item that you share, whether it's sponsored or not sponsored, it needs to be something that you genuinely would use because if it's not, it's extremely inauthentic.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree with you on that one. And I think also having an an authentic voice. It's not just like your appearance being authentic, but also having an authentic voice. In the beginning when I started doing uh, YouTube and fashion, I did always find myself a little fearful on like sharing my actual thoughts. And then I started to realize it doesn't resonate with myself. Like I'm not even sharing the thoughts that I'm really having. I'm sharing the cookie cutter thoughts. So then I One day just was like, you know what, forget that. If I don't like this face cream, I need to say it. I just need to be raw. And I feel like it's important because I started to look at my community as people. Because when you first start off blogging and whatever you do, YouTube or anything, it almost feels like you're talking to air or you're talking to a wall. Because there's not a lot of people watching or it's their beginning. And you don't really know your voice. So you don't know who you're talking to, right? So I started to just kind of like imagine the people that I'm talking to. And I really imagined myself. Recommending something to my friend, and if I tell my friend, Oh, this face cream is great, but I'm lying to her, it started to make me feel really guilty. So that's how I started to look at my community like, okay, I can't lie to this community, even though I don't necessarily know everybody by face. It's still important that these people have their money, their dollars, and I should guide them to the correct products because I mean, I would do that for my friends. So I think just having an idea of who your community is always really important, and that's always helped me create content. I always talk to my community. What do you want to watch? What do you guys want to see? Do you have any product recommendations? I think having a very open conversation has created my community to be more connected and engaged. I think that word
0: engagement is so true. If you look at your statistics, and I was digging through your engagement data before we hopped on this call and your engagement rate is so, so strong. And I think the fact that you really focus on creating content and looking at your channels as a place to create conversation, and it's a way that you can connect with people and your followers can also connect with each other. That's such a tremendous way to increase your engagement, rate. Thinking of this as a two way conversation and they ask and you create, and it's really this like cyclical effect that they know that if ever there's a so- they have a question and they can go to Runa to ask. About the latest, you know, cream or eyeshadow that they've seen all over Instagram, they know that what you are going to present to them is real, it's authentic, and you're never going to lie. So if you d- truly love something, you will talk about it, and your followers feel like if they go to a store and they saw something at Sephora and they wanted to try it, they can even even potentially direct message you and ask you about that product because they know that your critiques are real and authentic.
1: Yes, exactly, and It's always been really important to me. So if I could have ever given ever give anyone advice on like what to focus on when you first start off is anything you do, whether you're selling a barbecue pit, it should still be authentic. You know, it should always be like real real thought. And so as you go along and
0: become a full time creator, Many people ask, how do you make your business profitable? And I know a conversation that you and I quite frequently have is talking about brand relationships and sometimes the friction points that are going on in the space today. So I'd love to just first start this talking point by talking about like what are the biggest lessons that you've learned about building brand relationships over time? And then with that, as we think about the influencer marketing world in 2019, what are the things that you hope to see improve over time as businesses think about using you as a creator to sell their product and build brand awareness about around the items that they are launching?
1: When it comes to brand relationships, I've always just felt like there is a huge disconnect. Obviously, the influencer and brand relationship is still very brand new, and I've always felt like there is a lot of room of improvement. But I've learned a lot of things to present to the brand. I think a lot of the times influencers just feel like, well, not influencers, but I feel like newbies are very focused on, you know, the free products. They're focused on, you know, getting exposure and all those things, which all of that is really, really great. And it's a good way to initially grow in the beginning. Yeah. And it's a great way to initially grow in the beginning. But I also understood through through my process of always being consistent on my content, I've learned that exposure isn't always the greatest exposure. Because at the end of the day, if you're going with a brand that has like 10 million followers and you get that brand's following to come follow you, but it's always been important for me to have like active followers, right? Engaged followers. If you do partner with the brand and they're like, okay, well, you know, we're gonna give you some exposure. We're gonna, you know, we just want you to use our clothes and then we'll tag you in our in our Instagram. You'll get those followers, but do those followers match your brand? Does that brand match your brand? Because in the beginning I am guilty of this. I thought, you know, any type of free clothes was great because I needed content. I needed stuff to build my content. Right. And I learned very quickly that it was also, even though those products were free, it was still important for my brand and their brand to match because then I was going to get this authentic following that I needed. So I really think that's an important thing for a lot of influencers and brands is to have that authenticity. It shouldn't be about numbers. It should be like, do we match? It should be about identifying who the business's
0: target audience is and saying, does Runa's audience match my audience? Because that's ultimately the power of influencer marketing is a business is able to work with you who's essentially one of your roles is a gatekeeper to their potential customers. So they're. Looking at you as someone who, if you genuinely authentically love their product, by you talking about this business, your followers are going to really gravitate and want to learn more if the business is aligned with things that they, that you like in return, your community likes as well.
1: And I always try to encourage like new, new influencers and even new brands. The solution isn't like, here's my product, review it. You know, I feel like that's just, it's a little selfish in my eyes, because influencers, we do get a lot of products, we get products thrown at us all the time. And I think sometimes it's more important to build a relationship before the products are even sent to each other or reviewed. And I think it's important that brands actually get the take the time to get to learn influencers. I do get approached by brands often, and they sometimes don't even know my name correctly, or they'll type in someone's wrong name. So I think for any brand, it's important for them to get to know the influencer. For example, I love when brands approach me and say, Hey, you know, we love what you're saying about body positivity, or we love that you love colorful looks or like knowing my, my brand's personality is important. So then I would take the time that would catch my eyes. And then I would take the time to actually check out their brand. And in return that builds a relationship. But when you know a brand's just messaging you and all they did was change the name and change the ending, you can basically tell after getting hundreds of emails, you can tell like, okay, so this is just like a mass email and they're just strategic about making sure it doesn't look massy, but it's still mass, you know? It boils down
0: to quality versus quantity and quality at the end of the day is so much more valuable than quantity. Yeah, exactly. And I know you were just talking about how as you grow and you continue to grow your audience, A byproduct of that is you will start getting more and more inbound requests from businesses. And I know something that you and I have talked a lot about quite extensively is when a business reaches out to you and really looks at you as a PR vehicle, they'll send you something and you need to post about it for free. And I I think that there is definitely still, when you think about influencer and brand relationships, And I know I have a a lot to talk about when it comes to this topic, but what do you think is something's not quite right when it comes to a business reaching out to an influencer and saying, hey, I'm going to send you some products in exchange for a post. That's not quite right. And the reason being, you as a creator, your full-time profession is to show up every single day and create products for your community. So if a business wants to work with you to sell their products, they need to think about working with you kind of like a performance marketing channel. And the reason why they're not going to see and... There's so many times I've hopped on calls with businesses where they say, "I haven't seen the return on the investment that I was hoping to by sending an influencer product, so why would I allocate marketing budget?" And one of the most important things I think any business, so for any social media and influencer marketer right that's listening to this episode, one of the most important things to think about and identify is what is my ultimate goal? Because your job as the creator is to create content that will ultimately enable that business to achieve that goal. So by then just them just sending you product and hoping that you post, of course they're not going to see the outcome that they hope to see because there was no direct conversation and transparency when it came to sending you product and opening up that conversation between both sides and saying, hi Runa, I've identified who your community is. It is exactly my target customer. How can we collaborate on a story together so your audience will follow me on Instagram or sign up for my email or buy my product? I would just let, kind of love to understand your thoughts as a creator on how you feel when a brand reaches out to you and they say, hey, can I send you a product in exchange for a post? What comes through your mind when those ex- exchanges go on? And when it comes to, you know, as we think about the future of influencer marketing, how do you hope to see this tension point change over time?
1: The first thing I think is that the, that's not how it works. And the second thing I think is, OK, this is totally not going to resonate with my community because. My community knows like when I really like a product, I just talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. Like I exhaust it, you know? So if you're wanting to just me just give me, you know, a lipstick and then you want me to just promote the lipstick, it's really not gonna resonate and I'm not gonna give you the numbers you are expecting because that's not how my community works. I think every influencer's community is very unique, whereas some influencers they can just post like 20 products a week and people are like, okay, I'll try all of them, you know? My brand is unique where we keep it very organic and I share really and truly what I enjoy. I always look at brands when they send that, like you, you're not understanding the concept of influencer. It's very hard to influence somebody with one post, you know, it's very hard, especially with so many posts hitting them in a day or in a in a month or in a week in general. It's very, it's very hard for that. You know, one so post I, I, won't sell out a product. Yeah, yeah. One post just won't work. And it just seems so one sided. Like, Look, I want you to sell my product. You need to get this product sold for me. And I'm just like, wait, even like a person who's hired for a brand, I've been in the beauty industry. And even when I would get hired with a brand, I would at least get like a week worth of training and a week worth of time to understand the brand. And they're literally just giving me 25 seconds to understand their brand and promote them, you know, and sell it out. Yeah. So like, they're not really putting any investment in me, but they're asking me to give them tons of my investment which is my time and plus my followers which i don't think brands understand how long it takes to build this authentic following it's not very it's not easy I think that's a really great takeaway, is thinking about
0: working with a creator such as yourself as a long-term investment. And maybe that initial post or that initial week of content is sort of a trial period, understanding, okay, I do believe that there is audience alignment between my business and your community, but as you create content, is your community picking up on? Are they they commenting on your Instagram post? Are they commenting on your YouTube video? Oh, wow, I really can't wait to learn more about that brand. And if there is that, that initial indication that this is going to work, it's really important to think about how can you build something strategically long-term? Because to that point that you just said, there's so many pieces of content going live on Instagram, on YouTube. We're so oversaturated by content. It's going to take me a long time to pick up on the fact that this is a product that I need. But when I'm ready, if it's a, say you're talking about a chapstick, when I'm ready to buy a chapstick, I'm going to probably think about the chapstick you were just talking about because I saw that you essentially became a a brand advocate for this business and you talked about it over and over and over again. So it must be really great. So when thinking about for any business, how they can utilize, and it is important to that point that you said it before as well, understanding, asking digital influencers, this is my goal. How do you think your audience will best convert or follow us at Instagram? So it's really important for the influencer to know what content will achieve some specific goal. But for you in particular, a business needs to know that it takes a bit of time to introduce your community to something. And that's just the nature of all businesses, all brands is you're not going to see a post and then it's you're going to sell out. You're going to buy. Everyone's going to buy that item. It takes a little bit of priming and you need to physically talk to people about why they should care. And then if, you know, over time, if you talk about a brand enough, when I'm ready to go buy that chapstick, I'm going to purchase that brand because you talked about it so much. It must be fantastic.
1: And I think that's what will always work with anyone in life. even off the internet. And if you talk to people, if your friend is constantly using the same lipstick, you get intrigued and you're like, okay, she keeps using this, like maybe I should try it out. Right. And I think that's just exactly how influencers are. When our viewers, our community sees us using something a lot, it just looks much more authentic. And it actually looks like something that we actually use, you know, and brands should understand that concept. I also wanted to like, kind of say something. It's like, a lot of the times brands put a lot of the Return. their they they didn't get a return from influencers or investing in an influencer. I feel like that responsibility is like too high on influencers sometimes. Whereas in, that's why it's important to pick something that generates with you and your community. Because sometimes I've gone through this where I've picked a brand and I've worked through with them and I thought they fit my my brand and they ended up not really fitting because their customer service the goal that they had towards, you know, getting new clients in the door with them was not the same as mine. How I value my community, theirs was just like a number, you know, and I think with brands, it's really important to take a goal, come away from all the numbers. Although numbers are important, I think it's better to invest in, the quality of your products and like the quality of your Instagram. Cause you can, I've seen many brands that have not too many followers, but they're selling out on products all the time because they're focused on what they're providing their community versus how big is my community? You know, not always saying like, well I need to be like millions of followers, but then your product is horrible. You know? So I think that's important too. Like brands can't put it all on influencers only. Quality over quantity. And to that
0: point too, when you are a business and you think about investing in influencer marketing, I don't know if you'd agree with this, Runa, but perhaps, and I actually do very much believe this, that influencer marketing is just a part of the holistic marketing puzzle. It can't be the only marketing activation that you do. So what I mean by that is if you start posting about a business on your social channels and one of your followers goes and looks at that business and they have five followers and their content is terrible, that person's going to be very off put and not want to do anything. So it's kind of important at f- the the most important step is having a really robust social media marketing strategy and then tying in influencer marketing into that. So starting first with what is the content that I can provide my community as a business and then layering on the content that you as the digital influencer has created for that business because they're not going to see the return on investment that they hope for if the content on their channels isn't good to begin with
1: most of your audience would probably be people who are looking into influencing or they're looking into growing their influence or influencer marketing and and stuff like that. I think one of the biggest tips I could give anybody is like, it's not just about how much someone's paying you or how much exposure they're going to give you. You also have to think, is your community going to even resonate with that brand? Like, would they even enjoy this Instagram page? Would they enjoy the website? I go in deep now when I'm going to start a relationship with the brand now because it's important to me. Now, before, when I first started, I didn't understand those concepts. Like if I go on a website now, I'll look, okay, what, what, what do they provide on their website? Is there provide, is their website aesthetically pleasing? Is it easy for people to use? Are all their links working? Like those things matter to me now. Whereas when I first started, I didn't understand how those things would matter, you know, and um, their Instagram, like, is their Instagram, uh, are they active? Are they responding to their comments? they might have five comments, but then nobody's responded to those people. It, ma- it shows like, do you really care about people or do you just care about
0: your growth? They just care about selling things online and not who their community is and what they can do for their customer.
1: Exactly. With Glam by Runa, it's now a brand for me and I've changed into brand. And my my brand ethics is just like my work ethic. Like I respond to almost every comment on my Instagram and my YouTube. I could be a little bit better at YouTube, but I really do put an effort to comment and interact with all of my community because these people are taking the time to leave me comments. So I think it's important to interact with them. So when I go look at a brand and I see they're not interacting or they're not responding, it just makes me look at them a little differently.
0: I think it all ties back to authenticity and what feels right to you and focusing on quality relationships rather than quantity relationships because at the end of the day, those are the ones that will gleam the lo- like the most significant return on investment from your end and the business's end as well.
1: Another good tip that I've learned last year is I I noticed I was tagging brands a lot in all of, all of my content and um I would DM them as well and let Yay, them know. Yay, that's my favorite tip. Yeah, DMing them is like a great tip, but I started to notice like DMing is great, but it's like I'm kind of being selfish too in a way because I would just DM them like, hey, you know, I, I used your product here, check my video out. So I started to think I started to go in onto their Instagram. And I would, you know, just basically participate in the comment section and like their posts and participate in the comment section. I never did that before. So I was like, okay, you need to kind of talk your talk, you know, and like be, be action forward. And I started to comment. And now a lot of brands talk to me now more and they know my face and they know I'm commenting on their stuff and they they know I exist you know and I remember I kind of didn't understand that concept back in the days <laughs> now I do I'm like okay when I'm when I do post something if I post something about Urban Decay I'll make sure I go in to Urban Decay's page and comment on their recent post they'll they'll click and check me out and then they'll see me my post you know I've noticed that's worked a lot for
0: me. That is so, so, so important because if you think about it, the business, they – if you're Urban Decay, you are getting so many notifications on your social channels throughout the day. And sometimes it's kind of easy to miss that amazing creator who tagged you. So by you as a creator, no matter how large or small your audience is, if you go out of your way to tell that business, hi, I genuinely love your product. My community did too. And I want to make sure you saw this post. That is such a fantastic way to build a long term relationship to the business. Because if you think about it, like when now Urban Decay is going to think through their summer campaign, you're at the top of their mind because they know that you already created content that has proven to resonate well with your community your community already really loves that business so if you deepen that relationship even more their business is going to see that much more so by calling them out saying hi tagging them dming them commenting on their posts and just genuinely showing that you authentically love their business because you as a creator it's one of your jobs to you know connect with businesses and bring those businesses to your community by saying hi I genuinely love everything that you're doing. That's such a tremendous way to build that long-term quality relationship over time, rather than just sitting there waiting for a business to reach out to you, refreshing your inbox, waiting for a business to reach out to you, you being in control of your own business and reaching out once you've created a product post about one of your favorite products that they carry.
1: It's always better to kind of know your stuff with the brand Because when they are going to ever approach you or even if you want to approach them, knowing a lot about their products is just always a plus, you know, because I'm pretty sure they get tons of emails that say, hey, you know what, love your products. But then no one's really going in on detail. Well, what product do you love and why do you love that product and when do you use this product? And I think that makes you stand out more than a person that's just like, hey, I love this product, would love to collaborate. And what does that even mean too? Oh, I love your product. Why? Why should I as a business
0: care? So by you reaching out genuinely saying I love your product and then if a business says thank you so much and then they're probably going to circle back sometime and say I'd love to connect at some point in time and by you reaching out saying I love your product but not only that then talking to them about why your community loves their products too to me as a business, I'm going to be so excited to want to work with you because I know that the creator and in turn their community really genuinely loves my product. And so now I really want to work with you on an even more strategic partnership beyond just the the post that you organically created.
1: Right, exactly. And it's good to like just know, have that product knowledge. It's so important, especially, I guess, because I come from the beauty industry, I understand how products are sold. And the number one thing every brand is all about is the fact that Product knowledge is what needs to be given to the consumer. They're always trying to teach product knowledge to consumers. And if you as an influencer, you already have knowledge on all their products and you know what three products of theirs that you love and you know that their face cream has lychee extract or some random (laughs) extract in it and you know that that just makes you stand out more than someone else. It's important to have like that product knowledge on any brand that you're approaching or even if that brand's approaching you.
0: So genuinely telling the brand why you care about them, not just saying, hi, I love you guys. There's a real reason for this. Yeah. Because you've done research on us as a business and you've tried our products before. You're an expert. And because of that, your community will in turn value our business as well.
1: Yeah. And even knowing like the voice that brands have or the culture that they have, every brand has their own culture. And just actually knowing that and approaching a brand with that culture, it, just makes, it, it makes you stand out. And once again, it comes with like authenticity and doing research and stuff like that. It's
0: important. So insightful. I love this. I would love to learn. I don't know if this is your favorite channel right now, but it's my favorite place to follow you, especially because your commentary with Nyar is one of my favorite things. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your open and honest commentary on Instagram stories. I know that's really been a place that you've opened up a lot to your community to talk about fitness, to talk about health, talk about cooking. And so I'd love to understand why Instagram Stories excites you right now. And then secondarily, what about the connection that you've been able to create with your community on Instagram Stories really excites you and wants to kind of, it's inspiring you in the
1: moment? Instagram Stories is, honestly, it's easy. I don't know why it's easy. It's just easy. I don't know if it's the vertical cam. I have no idea what it is. It's just so easy to just get on there. It's simple. It's on your phone. You can sit in some sunlight and just record something. And it's like, it's almost like you're calling your friend type of thing, but it's like a video call, but you're actually just sending messages to to one of your friends out there. You know, the authenticity is very real on Instagram stories. It's real time. And I think that is what people like to see is like the real time. Whereas like videos, that I put onto my Instagram or even my YouTube, I can edit them. I can cut them. You know, I can show people what I feel like showing them. But on Instagram, it's it's just raw, you know, and Instagram stories, it's just very raw. And that's what I love about it.
0: It's a place that you can really connect with your followers.
1: Yeah, you can really connect with your followers. And when it first started off, I was like super excited by it. And I really loved it. I did do Snapchat for a while. And that just wasn't for me. I try to still do Snapchat, but I don't know. Instagram stories is just always more cooler to me and I love doing it and I just would just document my whole day. Now my Instagram stories is turning into more purpose-driven and I'm using it more as like a channel. Like, okay, so each day I come up with something I want to do now because now I'm bored of sharing my everyday life. (laughs) I love following along on your everyday life. I know. It's so funny. People always tell me that and I'm like, okay, but I feel like I'm so boring sometimes, but people are like, no, you're not boring. It's so fun. You have like- such
0: a great way of making a Target shopping trip seem exciting.
1: <laughs> we do. We, I mean, cause we love, I think it's the energy we have when we're going into Target. Cause we're so excited, especially if Nayar is going, it's a very playful time too with Target because he hates going to Target with me. So like I'm forcing him to go with me. And then like, it's, I don't know, it's just like a weird, fun, we do together, you know, because he hates it. I love it, but he's still there for me. So (laughs) I guess that makes people it's relatable because I think a lot of men would love to avoid going to Target with their wives. And the fact that he still goes is interesting. So
0: no, I, I think it's so genuine and so authentic. And it just for me as a follower, I can connect with you and get to know you even, even more. And it makes you so relatable as well.
1: Yes. Thank you. And, and and it's fun. Instagram stories is like the funnest part because it's so natural. You're not really thinking about things and somebody that is really into video production. Like I love video production. I get very perfectionist with my video stuff and okay, you have to get this angle. You have to make sure it looks like this. You have to make sure it looks like that with Instagram stories. Like I can actually practice like my raw video skills, like just learning things, you know, like going capturing things just because I want to capture and not so much because it's like in the perfect lighting. It's made me a better video and content creator. Instagram stories, I really always tell people like it's the best way to start as a beginner. If you're really camera shy too, it's really good to do Instagram stories because it really gets you to stop being camera shy and it gets you to stop being so self-conscious when you're on camera. And I think that's a a big struggle a lot of People contact me and will say like, how are you so comfortable in front of the camera? And I was like, oh my gosh, watch my first video and you will see I am not comfortable in front of the camera. It took a lot of time. And I think Instagram stories really helped me become comfortable and learn how to be a little bit better in front of camera.
0: (laughs) Is at the end of the day, it's, I mean, it's not you speaking to people directly on a live video, wondering if people will show up. There's a, there's a way that you can also edit the content. So it isn't, it isn't like you're going live on a Facebook live and live on an IG live, which I know many, many people are very, that's nerve wracking to them. So yeah. Instagram stories, you can also, there is a way to make it very curated as well.
1: Yeah. It just seems so easy. Like I think that's the part of it. It's, and it's like, fun. It's- I
0: love gifts. They're so much fun.
1: You could just do so much with Instagram stories. And um, I was reading an article that Instagram stories is starting to become, if you think about it, like what is, what is Instagram going to look like in the future? And sometimes I feel Instagram stories is going to pretty much take over. That's my, what I think, but I don't know.
0: We'll save that for another episode, but I, I think there is definitely a reason to keep the Instagram grid around. I don't know. Who knows what will happen and that the Instagram yeah. team decides, but I think that there will forever need to be – there will be a reason for having content that's sticky and stays around for a long time.
1: Like do what you love. You know, like I really love creating YouTube content. So I love the concept of YouTube. I love that you can pre-record. You can schedule your stuff. Like YouTube makes it really easy to create content on their platform. And it's a search, it's searchable content. It's very – much easier to understand than versus Instagram, right?
0: Yeah, I think there were so many people when IGTV came out when they were, we were talking and people were asking me if they thought IGTV was going to take over YouTube. And I think it's virtually impossible for IGTV to replace YouTube. YouTube is such a powerful search tool. It's yeah. such a powerful place for me to watch something and then get to click and go on my computer and purchase. IGTV is hardly linkable, it's so mobile it's not easy for me to then navigate to an e-com page then purchase whatever you are talking about and also the commentary and the engagement feature like the com the way in which comments are featured it's completely different so I think that's such a good point is when there's the latest and greatest thing that comes out I mean at the end of the day there's now many digital influencers who really use IGTV as a, as a key part of their content strategy but they probably weren't even using YouTube before and if YouTube is such a strong part of who you are is it as a business, as a brand, as an entrepreneur in this online world, it's a horrific idea to drop everything and go to the latest and greatest new channel because these people are going to, they've come to you for your content and need having a place that it's, it's constantly there, that's the most important thing.
1: I'm very business obsessed and I love to like analyze the business culture. I, I always tell people like, you know, there's a reason why there's a target and there's 500 targets, you know what I mean? There's a reason why and the internet, it's a little bit different. So you just basically all your storefronts are different. You know, YouTube is a, is a storefront. Instagram is a storefront. And people are always asking me like, well, do you think that's going to die? Well, do you think that's going to die? And everyone's always looking for like the newest, biggest thing. And I'm like, no, yeah. Blogging isn't as popular as it was when it first started, but it's not dead people still have blogs. People are still very lucrative from their blogs. And if you enjoy blogging and you create amazing content on blogs, I still look at blogs. I still look at people who have amazing blogs and I still look at them, but I don't look at every blog like I used to. I just look at the really good ones. So if you're really good at something, stick to it. Right. And I love YouTube and I stay on YouTube and I, and I love the content that's created on YouTube. So I decided to stay on YouTube and do my best on YouTube. And then there's Instagram and there's IGTV. I'm not a big fan of IGTV, so I don't create as much content for IGTV, but I still create content, but not as much. So I always tell people that you really got to look at your social platforms as like storefronts, you know, like you got to imagine them as your stores and you got to think about which location is your higher, highest performer. And for me, my highest performer is Instagram. So I do invest a lot more time in Instagram, but my favorite store is YouTube. You know what I mean? And trying to build that that location, you get what I'm saying. So I always tell my peers that they're always trying to ask me, well, what do you think is the next best thing? And I'm like, well, I really don't know. Because no one's giving me the secret sauce, you know,
0: unless we all start our own social media
1: platform, which maybe we should who knows. Exactly. And I'm always telling people like, you know, it's important for you to focus on the platform you enjoy the most, because you're going to strive more on the platform you enjoy the most. And I love Instagram and YouTube. Those are my favorite my Facebook, it's not my favorite. So I usually just share my content from my Instagram onto my Facebook and Snapchat and all that stuff. I kind of just like reshare stuff on other platforms that I don't enjoy that much. And it's okay not to be like perfect on every platform because that's a lot.
0: (laughs) It's a lot of work.
1: You know? And I, I think if you analyze other businesses and stuff like that, you'll see that everyone's just trying to have a presence in where they're the best at, you know? And I think trying to be the best at every single social media platform is really hard and difficult. So you want to focus on the one, the one that you love the most. Quality across the board in every,
0: in every shape and form. So even thinking about when it comes to the content thinking about what kind of content are you most excited to create and then making sure that you don't completely spread yourself thin and post every single place, focusing on those one or two specific channels where you are the most excited to show up every single day and create that community and that connection with your followers.
1: Yeah. I think that's that's exactly and it's also important to know that each platform caters to a different thing. YouTube has a different audience and Instagram has a different audience and Facebook has a different audience and I've learned that over the couple of years. Not everything I share on on Instagram works on YouTube and not everything I share on YouTube works on Instagram because I used to definitely try to do a lot of repurposing of my content and I would just like kind of like edit it for YouTube and then I would just like resize it, time it, and then put it onto Instagram and it didn't work so well. So I can still use the same content and film it the same and the same time, but I have to be able to edit it and word it differently on each platform. So I think that's something important. For people to understand as well. <laughs>
0: That's so valuable. And I'd love to understand too, so there's so much content going on on social media at all times. How do you deal with the 24-7 ness of social media and not feeling like you need to constantly be on your phone? I think it's something that we all really struggle with. Do you have any tips and best practices around ways to not be completely overwhelmed with the need to be on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook every single moment of every single day?
1: So I have learned, so I want to say maybe two years ago, I was really bad. Like I was constantly on my phone. It was so bad. You know, my husband would complain a lot. He'd be like, you know what? I feel like you're married to your phone. And it was because I just felt so obsessed. And I think the obsession came from lack of planning, lack of having a content calendar, lack of just lack of everything was in the moment. You know, I learned a lot of new systems that I put forward. And my social media is like where I now, when I wake up, the first thing I do is not get on my phone and check my likes and check my comments. I do not do that. I now set a time in the morning and the afternoon where I will actually sit down to like comment and post and interact with people. I set timers now to get me off the phone. Uh, my Instagram has a timer where it'll tell me if I've been on my Instagram for more than an hour. If I hit an hour, I get off and I don't get on it anymore. Content calendar has been like the biggest helper, help for me It's just been so much help because now I know I can't be on my phone because I have to make like 10 videos, you know what I mean? So just having like those plans and those systems set really, really help. I think for 2018, one of the biggest things that helped me out was knowing how to do batch content. Um, If I'm already sitting down and I'm filming something, I could be filming more things, just really expanding myself and not limiting myself to, okay, today I'm going to make a red you know, I'm going to wear a red lip and I'm going to share the red lip. Whereas before I, I used to do that, like I would share lifetime, everything would be lifetime. And now I'm prepping for the month ahead. So it's January, all my January content is already ready and ready to go. And it's been just flowing. Right. And now I'm already working on February and March. I was never that ahead. <laughs> I'm now ahead because I congratulations. I, yes. Thank you. I set a lot of systems forward to Keep me ahead now, you know. And it's a learning process. It's definitely a learning process. But I think one of the biggest things I could tell anybody is like, if you're gonna come into this influencing marketing and this influencing business, don't jump in and share right away and wait for a response. I think it's really good to build build like a library of content and then start sharing that in a scheduled way because then it's gonna be less overwhelming. Because I I feel like when you first start off and you you know you make a makeup look and you just share it the same day, you're like waiting for these responses, you know what I mean? And it's not going to come right away and it's going to discourage you. So I feel like when you've already put in a lot of work and you just like consistently share your content that like, say if you just share content that for a week, you you build it in a day and then you're like, okay, I'm going to share this for the rest of the week. It's more motivating. You know, it's less damaging to the soul. I feel (laughs) because
0: I then posting and refreshing your Instagram, hoping people comment.
1: Yeah. And that's changed for me a lot. And those are my, like, so my top three tips would be have a content calendar. Definitely have a content calendar. Definitely know how much you can handle. Like if you can only post twice a week, then you post twice a week. If you can post every day, then you post every day. Just really having that plan is important. That's what I've been doing.
0: That's extremely <laughs> I mean, valuable.
1: all about my plans, but I feel like it will take up the whole
0: podcast. <laughs> no, I love this is so, so valuable. I think those. Those three pieces of advice are so valuable. And we definitely, I can only imagine, we'll definitely have to talk more at another episode about all of your other tips. But you've come so far as an influencer and an entrepreneur. What are some of the biggest learning lessons that you've learned along the way when it comes to building a business? I know you just launched your own e-commerce business, Shop by Runa. What are the things that people don't talk about when it comes to building an online community, being an entrepreneur, being a full-time digital in- influencer that you feel like more people talked about?
1: I think people really don't talk too much about like the dark side of it. You know, we always talk about the success, you know, like I got here by doing 1, 2 and 3 and they don't really talk about like the low parts of it. Sometimes you're not going to sell out on something. Sometimes you thought this product was going to be amazing and then your following hates it. You know, like I feel like that's not something that's talked about enough. And that's why we have this podcast. And the influencer, influencer thing is like everyone's always trying to like just only share their success and no one's ever trying to share their failures and they're always trying to sweep it under the carpet like it didn't even happen. To, it's hard for a lot of influencers because we do look at each other, right? We, we business people, influencers, we all kind of look at each other. And if all we're seeing is everyone's highlight reel, it does make you feel alienated after a while alienated when you're like having a failure moment, you know, and somewhere inside of all that darkness, you'll find a little sliver, silver, you know, sliver of light where someone's sharing a little bit of their, you know, vulnerability or like how they failed and they just grew from that failure. And then that's something for you. to. So I want to see that more where people actually are more real about their failures. You know, like, hey, yeah, you know, I, I thought this product was going to work, but it sucked. You know what I mean? And, and no one likes my product and I'm going to still create something else and help you guys check it out. You know, there's this brand called, um, I don't know if you know the brand, it's called Forsali. I've never heard of them, but we will definitely check them out and link them in the show notes. Yeah, for Sally is like basically it was created by an influencer, her husband created it for her and I started to follow him and he talks about a lot of his failures. I found it so inspiring because I was like someone like me who's starting to go into more product development, it's scary because you just see all the glamour, no one talks about like the actual thing. He talks about I had this one bottle and I it took me like 7 times to find the right bottle for my product. No one talks about that. So it, it's very interesting to to see someone talk about those things. I think it's
0: so important in today's day and age of social media to be as authentic and open as possible. Something that we've talked about with past podcast guests and Something that I hope and wish for many people is in this digital influencer world, many influencers come from full-time professions, come from full-time jobs. And there's this mentality that quitting something and starting your own business is really easy. And it comes with a lot of sacrifice. It comes with a lot of hardships. And it can be really lonely too. And so really focusing on being in when you feel ready to talk being as open and honest about the hard times will make your community feel that much more connected to you too because life isn't hunky-dory all the time and being an entrepreneur can, is, is difficult. That's a part of the game, but the moments of satisfaction and gratification are also so much larger and so much more meaningful too. So there's really, there's a lot of ups and downs, but you know, sharing the good times and also the bad times because not everyone's life as you're building a business is perfect.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's so important that open conversation happens. And I think like, you know, you know this, Julian, I'm like a huge fan of Gary Vee. And I think he's one of the persons that I've witnessed actually be so real about it. the failures and the, and the hard work. And, you know, his message is so strong. And I think it's because he actually talks about like the things people don't want to talk about, you know, and I, and I think that's why he's had such a, a really popular growing. Because
0: that's the only way you can learn is from failures. Failure will dictate what works and what doesn't work. And the only way you can learn and grow is by trying and failing and getting back up the next day and having that support system. In the beginning of the episode, you were talking about having your husband and having a support system around you. It's So valuable as someone who is starting a business to have that network around you. So when you have those hard times, you can go to them for support.
1: Yes, exactly. It, it's very important to have a support system. And it's lonely because like my support system is my husband and, and I'm grateful that I have him. But like my mom doesn't even know exactly what I do. Like if I ask your mom, explain my business, she can't even explain it, you know? So it's uh, it, the, the business that we're in, this influencer marketing business, this, this business in general is just so hard to explain to people because people can't even understand like, how are you making money by posting pictures on Instagram? Like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? People just don't get it. So it's very important to have a support system and a support system that understands your struggle. Yes, who are around for
0: the ups and the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. Yes. So my final question, if you could tell yourself five years anything about this whole world of being a digital influencer, this whole world of social media, what would you tell yourself five years ago, five years ago? So before you started creating content, what would you say?
1: I would have told myself to chill out first. I get a little crazy competitive sometimes, right? And feeling like I have to like fulfill every need of social media when I really don't need to. So I would tell myself to chill out. I would tell myself to create what I want to create, like create a lot of like my own identity, like what I love. Try not to get so absorbed into other people's content and understand that I have my own greatness that I can share and that I'm unique and just as great as everyone else, basically giving myself some more confidence, you know, and then I would also have taught myself consistency because I did not understand consistency when I first started. That was like my biggest thing. You that know? is
0: extremely and valuable. Not,
1: yeah. And I, and I really didn't understand educating my education, educating myself more, you know, like when I got into this, this influencer marketing, it was like, I didn't educate myself as much as I, sh- I do now. So really, understanding that teaching yourself is way better of a, of a um, lesson than anything else.
0: Never stop learning.
1: Yeah, never stop learning. It's very important.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Runa.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: This was so much fun. It's always fun. All of our conversations make me smile. Yes, they do. So for everyone listening, where can they find you on Instagram and YouTube?
1: You can find me at Glam by Runa on both Instagram and YouTube. That's amazing. And I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. I'm also there. I exist there. You do. And your <laughs> Get
0: Ready With Me's on, on Facebook are some of my favorites.
1: Thank you. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Since you've made it this far, don't forget to subscribe to the Blogist Podcast over on iTunes so you never miss another episode. Show your support by giving us a 5-star rating and taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on Instagram stories. We always love seeing who's tuning in. And for more information about Blogist, check out blogist.co. That's B L O G I S T dot co. For influencers, think of Blogist as your personal manager. We're here to crunch the data about your audience, help you identify ways to grow your online following, and discover ways to monetize your social media channels. And for brands, Blogist gives you all of the qualitative and quantitative data necessary to find the perfect digital influencers to work with who will help you build your brand and convert new customers. That's all for this week, see you next time.